You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Food for Thought series. We unpack some of the big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and stimulate lively discussion about food. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Evan Frazier, professor at the University of Guelph, director of the Arel Food Institute and co-chair of the Canada Food Policy Council. Welcome, Evan. Hi there. Great to have you here. Evan, in 2019, the government of Canada announced its first food policy. What is the Canada Food Policy and what are some of the priorities? There was a real grassroots movement uh, spearheaded by the NGO Food Secure Canada, but supported by a huge array of of folks within industry, within the academy, other NGOs, uh, to actually ask for a holistic, all-of-government approach to food. And the idea is that for too long, food has existed, as from a policy perspective, exclusively in the hands of agriculture. But really, food is trade, food is health, food is equity, food is justice, food is the environment. And and there was a concern raised that because food is a little bit of everything, it sort of fell between ministerial mandates. And there was a need to create something that was a little bit more what they call whole of government. The Liberal government was elected with that, and both Minister of Health and Minister of Agriculture received the request to proceed with a development of a food policy. So the food policy then engages a consultation phase and resulted in 2019, the announcement of the Food Policy for Canada that has a vision. And the vision is that all people in our country are able to access uh, sufficient amounts of safe, nutritious, and culturally diverse food, um, that our food system is resilient and innovative, uh, and that our food system sustains the environment and supports the economy. So big, bold vision. Um, And then within that, there's lots of priorities and, and specific program areas, but that's sort of the big umbrella. Wow, that really sounds like this incredible vision. And you're the co-chair of the Canada Food Policy Advisory Council. And can you tell us about the mandate for this group? The Food Policy for Canada represents sort of the umbrella framework that um, that has a number of components. It's got a big project on, on food waste. It's got a big component on helping build up Canada's local food infrastructure. There's a number of elements of the food policy, one element of which was the creation of a new council, the Food Policy Advisory Council. And the mandate of the Food Policy Advisory Council is to bring input from across the farm to fork spectrum So it includes producer groups, it includes industry, it includes poverty activists, uh, people that work for food banks, uh, indigenous representation. It's supposed to be a broad group of individuals who bring expertise from across the food system together in order specifically to provide advice to, um, to cabinet on important topics relating to how to execute the food policy for Canada. And uh, we report directly to the Minister of Agriculture. So we still sit within Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, but like I said, the, the, the remit is whole of government and holistic. So we've divided into four working groups, uh, one dealing with uh, attempting to make some recommendations around the broad area of school nutrition, uh, one looking at identifying and addressing the root causes of food insecurity in our country, which, which moves very strongly into um, discussions around poverty and, and things like that. Uh, another working group working on food waste and ways to reduce food waste. And another one looking at how to position Canada's agricultural and food production sector as a driver of green economic development and environmentally sustainable production. 
Well, listening to you, I really feel that we're in very good hands. And if anyone listening to the show wants to see who's on the uh, Advisory Council for Canada's Food Policy, um, there just visit the Government of Canada website and there is a link there. And I think a great group has been put together. And those four pillars that you mentioned, I couldn't support more wholeheartedly. I, I work in agri-food, I have my whole life. And I, I would agree those are four of all of the things that we need to consider. And certainly the, the school food program uh, for listeners, if you haven't heard, of Bill 216 yet in Ontario, the uh, Food Literacy for Student Act is past its second reading and before the legislature now trying to uh, work through the consultative process. So look into that if you haven't, you're in Ontario and you're listening in. And uh, with all these exciting things and all the hopes and dreams that people are putting into the council and uh, looking for a better way forward, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are that the advisory council will face I think, for instance, the, um, the extraordinary year we've all had has created, in my observation anyways, an opportunity to have a really important, long overdue debate and, and address the root causes of food insecurity. Uh, we have to acknowledge, for instance, and, and COVID has, has you know, ripped the Band-Aid, as it were, off of this issue that um, Black, Indigenous people of color uh, have disproportionately affected by food insecurity in this country. Uh, they have been disproportionately affected by, um, uh, by the pandemic and the negative effects of the economic fallout of the pandemic. Um, I, I'm, I'm right now hearing a, a willingness to openly and forthrightly engage with this fundamental topic. I mean, food banks were started in our country in the 1980s as a, what was then perceived as a short-term stopgap measure against food insecurity. And yet, you know, a generation later, uh, we're more dependent than ever on food banks. And, and of course, the federal government's response, which was to help food banks do their job and, and the emergency food sector to do their job over the last year even better with unprecedented levels of funding was incredibly important in that it helped keep millions of Canadian households um, um, out of the worst ravages of food insecurity. But we're realizing in a way that we never openly did, at least in my career, that we have to address the root causes of this, which means tackling colonialism and tackling racism, um, bringing multiple perspectives into co-design projects to re- once again, <laughs> and with renewed energy, re-examine the Crown's relationship with Indigenous communities. And so I, th I think there's an opportunity right now to push that, that poverty reduction, anti-racism, anti-colonialism, anti-food insecurity agenda forward in, in a more meaningful way than I've seen opportunity for a while. E equally, why goodnessly we've got a great opportunity facing producers right now. We know that the world um, is waking up to the fact that uh, environmental impact of food production is one of the biggest issues facing the planet today. Uh, the way that COVID has caused us to reflect critically on global supply chains and ask, are we really resilient, is reinforcing that, that discussion around how we produce food. There's an opportunity to, to, to put agriculture at the cornerstone of a green economic recovery platform. There's an opportunity to put Canadian agriculture forward to the world as incredibly sustainable. And in doing so, we can make our agricultural sector more sustainable from an environmental perspective. And so I think those are the, those are the, the challenges stroke opportunities that the, uh, the Food Policy Advisory Council is, is, has a front row seat in, and it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that it is exciting. There are a lot of opportunities, but Canada is a, a nation of farmers and fishers, and we have been leaders. I learned when Mr. Sharan was on the show that the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations was founded in Canada. So yep. we have been global leaders, and we 
have so many farmers across the nation and fishers that have done a lot in terms of uh, going green and certain incredible advocates. I was speaking to the beef farmers and Ducks Unlimited and, and the grasslands in uh, the prairies, the endangered, that many people don't know that, that we do have things to protect in Canada and farmers are on the forefront of that and couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah. And then to the food security point that we need to have social policy co-evolve with economic policy, that it's not just about the distribution of food or um, some of the demographics that we want to definitely uh, have in input into improved lives, but we have to have sort of social innovations, not just economic and technological ones. So I, I accept your points and really can't wait to see more about what the uh, advisory council does. The tagline for uh, the government of Canada's uh, food policy is everyone at the table. And what does that mean? And what values will govern the policymaking process? It is a huge opportunity, I think, to attempt to create a transparent, democratic process that is governed by principles around giving voice and giving a platform to traditionally marginalized or equity-seeking voices. So we're really talking about values of plurality, transparency, democracy, accountability. That very much informs, I think, the actions and activities of this brand newly formed council. And I should, add, I should hasten to add the Food Policy Advisory Council was only struck, uh, what was it, beginning of March. So it's only two months old. And um, I'm really excited by the idea that we can, through incremental steps, broaden the conversation out to the equity-seeking voices, the marginalized groups, and make sure that we create a platform that allows for the fulsome expression of discussions around food to be debated. But you only get that if you've got everybody at the table. So right. back to the everyone at the table tagline. Right. Yeah, that's right. Everyone at the table. And so as you had said, it's brand new, the council and a major mandate. So we'll all have to stay tuned. And I'm sure there'll be lots of updates and information on how we all can receive updates as progress is made or as discussions are underway. And I'm sure there'll be multi, multiple ways that Canadians can participate that. So we'll stay tuned on that. After the break, we'll hear more about food policy and households from Dr. Evan Frazier, professor at the University of Guelph and co-chair of the Canada Food Policy Advisory Council. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Dr. Evan Frazier, co-chair of the Canada Food Policy Advisory Council. Evan, in 2016, the Dietitians of Canada put out a position statement on household food insecurity, which called for a nationwide strategy to reduce and monitor food insecurity at a household level. Will Canada's Food Policy Council address this or parts of it? Yeah, so great question. And the short answer is yes. In terms of the the umbrella of the food policy for Canada. Topics relating directly to food insecurity are, I guess they're addressed in a number of the key priority areas that the government has identified as part of the food policy, um, which include um, strong indigenous food systems, uh, improved food related health outcomes, inclusive economic growth. Uh, those three bullet points are, are directly taken from the priority list of food policy for Canada. So yes, that is, embedded, I think, in the architecture of the food policy. Then when you jump into the specific actions of the Food Policy Advisory Council as a part of the food policy, one of our four working groups is focusing explicitly on 
this topic, identifying the root causes of food insecurity, measuring them, developing policies to lead to progress towards them. And in this, uh, you know, we're actually starting to work very closely with the uh, National Advisory Council on Poverty, which is a, a very similar organization started about 18 months ago, just before the pandemic. Uh, with a similar remit, but to address poverty. Sylvie Cloutier, the co-chair of the Food Policy Council and myself and Scott McAfee from the Poverty Council and a number of other folks have already been talking about how we can um, support each other's work in the broad area of food insecurity. That's great that that integrative approach and that it's not siloed. So it's everyone at the table beyond the mandate of Canada's food policy. And I think that there is a moment right now um, with COVID, yes, uh, as, a, as a significant pressure, but also just our, our time in place um, yep. with our social advancements that we all want to make with our uh, humanitarian advancements we want to make and also certainly for the environment as well. And, and, and talking about food security, really, people often think and certainly part of it is, is there enough money to buy food or is the food available? But another aspect is education, even if you have the money and if you have the food available to you, if you aren't eating a healthy, well-rounded diet that contributes to the the health of not just your family, but the nation is, is really important. And that brings me to my next question, Evan, is that one of the food priority areas is a national school food program. And how can households show their support for this as well as keep informed in this area? Probably the most important thing is to make sure uh, political representatives at all levels know that this is a topic that Canadians need to have addressed. So my, my main message is, is that if people want uh, Canada to join the rest of the so-called developed world in having a, uh, a program that operates from coast to coast to coast um, that makes sure that our children uh, receive nutrition and nutritional education and food literacy skills and whatnot, then we need to be reminding our political representatives at municipal, at provincial, and at federal levels that this has to be an issue. And, uh, and I, I see a huge amount of progress, right? I think this is another one of those places where there is a window of opportunity. This is on the federal mandate lists. Uh, it was in the budget in 2019. Uh, as you noted, the Ontario government is moving towards this. There's been progress in other provinces, like in Quebec. Uh, lots of boards have seized the initiative in and of their own and are creating sort of a bit of a patchwork montage or mosaic of, of programs across the country. And I think now is the time to really remind our political masters that we would like uh, we would like some synergy across the country, uh, some harmonization, and uh, and I think I think this is one that we could actually achieve in the next six months. Oh, that's that's great news. And so for listeners, just to reinforce, get a hold of your federal uh, representatives and also your provincial representatives. And just to build on what you uh, mentioned, Evan, for listeners who are just joining us, that in Ontario we have Bill Two Sixteen. This uh, Food Literacy for Students Act just before uh, it, it's gone through its second reading, but definitely get a hold of your uh, representatives and let them know how important it is to you and, and uh, join the forward motion on that. And it could be a wonderful example for the nation. And so I'm very optimistic yeah. about that and hopeful. The, uh, the higher levels of government provide funding and provide uh, policy frameworks and overarching guidance, but the ex execution of a program is typically mostly driven at the at the local level so we have to we have to have all three levels of government um singing off the common choir sheet to pull this one off i think great point agreed wonderful uh evan this show brings the arts and humanities into today's food dialogue and outside your role as co-chair of the food policy advisory council you created feeding nine billion which includes card games and other fun resources that are helpful for parents in general and homeschoolers in particular can you tell us about that 
This started about 10 years ago and we put out a video, I don't know, it was 2011, 2012, thereabouts, talking about global food security. And that, that sort of launched a, a whole new sideline uh, for me and, and members of, of my research group at the University of Guelph. And uh, over the years, we've put together, gosh, quite a lot of resources. We've got a, the video, the, the animated video series is now about, um, I think it's 12 episodes long. Each episode's about five minutes. Uh, we then did a graphic novel, a self-published graphic novel that was about a fictitious food crisis in the 20, what was then in the distant future, the 2025. We're now almost at it, but there we go. Time goes on. And then the, the book actually has these, the story of this crisis and then essays at the end of it that unpack the fact from the fiction and, 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 and references. And then we put out a card game uh, that won, a, won an award at a global educational game conference. And uh, then we did a podcast series, and then we did an audio drama with a bunch of theater studies students. And then finally, just about a year ago, we worked with a group of high school teachers to pull all this material together into lesson plans suitable for grade 12 um, world issues and current affairs classes. Mm -hmm. So it works perfectly well with the Ontario high school curriculum, but high school teachers pretty much anywhere in the world can pull all these resources off of our website, feeding9billion.com, and, um, and make use of them. So that I know they're being, this stuff is being used all over the world. The YouTube channel has been watched, I don't know, well over half a million times in the last five years. Um, it's great, it's fun. Uh, and it's a, it's a real way of trying to connect students, well, specifically teachers first, uh, and then students uh, through the teachers in a global discussion about the future of food on our planet. Well, it's really a great site. I recommend to all listeners looking into it, uh, feeding9billion.com. And there are really, really, they truly are fun, certainly as we look across grade one to 12 on how do we engage everyone meaningfully in food literacy, that that's a great resource for teachers and for parents and really anyone listening who wanted to look into it. I, I think it's wonderful. I'll shift gears a little bit and ask you, why do you think it's important for families to talk about household food systems and national food policy? In my opinion, food is probably our primary conduit to personal health and one of our chief ways of, of building relationships with community. Uh, certainly our food has the most large impact of any of our behaviors on the environment in terms of directly. Uh, food from a cultural perspective connects us with our past. It's going to determine how sustainable our future is. You know, very simply, it's one of the most important aspects of our lives in terms of connecting us as individuals to big issues, whether those big issues are the functioning of our families all the way through to the sustainability of our planet and our planetary health. So it's, it's a truly a, a, a colossal lens on which to examine big issues, yet remains fairly unexamined for most people. So it's a, it's a huge issue, yet it's easy to not examine it. And, um, and, and so it's sort of my own personal mission uh, professionally to, uh, to, to get Canadians, to get global citizens talking about food more and, and, and to have that more critical, engaged debate about uh, food systems. 
Wow, that, that's great. And it's uh, part of the mandate of this show as well to raise the conversation level and to uh, stimulate thought. And uh, I think that that will help uh, foster wonderful citizens that as we have food policies and, and acts that come forward that will be informed. It's not just something that happens in the environment. We've got a position. And I think that that's really, really important. Do you have any final thoughts to offer our listeners? Well, I mean, I think um, getting informed about food, we've already talked about my, my little website called Feeding Nine Billion. Uh, I also direct the Errol Food Institute, which has a lot of resources. And then finally, we've already talked about this, letting politicians know that we want a comprehensive school nutrition program would be a great short-term strategy. Because I think that if we can, if we can uh, raise this awareness uh, with enough politicians right now, then, then we may get some progress on that one. I couldn't uh, agree with you more. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Evan, for our conversation today. You've offered us all inspiration and a greater understanding of the hard work going on to ensure a secure and flourishing food system in every home across Canada. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Peggy. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Dr. Evan Frazier, co-chair of the Canada Food Policy Council. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? Why do you think Canada needs a food policy? Something to do? Search the Food Policy for Canada on the Government Canada website and determine what you could do to help find the way forward together. Next week on Food for the Future, we continue the Waste Not series in which we discuss food waste and what households can do to help feed a hungry home, community, and human family. Our guest is Catherine Jones, Executive Chef at Growing Chefs London, a food literacy program for kids. We'll discuss the importance of quality ingredients as the first step in loving what you eat and avoiding food waste. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.